The Dodgers hosted the Braves last night and it delivered one of the most exciting games of the season. Ronald Acuna Jr. made history and Mookie Betts made the National League MVP race just that little bit more exciting. And does this game give us any more indication on who's going to come out of the National League this season? Maybe, maybe not. We'll dive into that one whilst we go along. Oh, and whilst we're in California, it might be worth just popping over to Anaheim to see the Angels completely embarrass themselves yet again, but this time on a completely different level. One that I think the fans have probably had enough with, and the ownership might not be able to come back from that one. So, let's not waste any time, and let's talk baseball. afternoon and good evening wherever you may be listening this is let's talk baseball and i'm your host tom skulls and on today's show we have to dive straight in to the game of probably the season so far maybe i'm overdoing it but it maybe the recency bias of it is is coming across here but right waking up this morning checking twitter because obviously over here Games on the West Coast start at like 3 in the morning and finish at like 5 in the morning. So keeping on top of all of it isn't always the easiest. But when the Braves travelled to Los Angeles to Dodger Stadium to face off against the, the Dodgers, it produced magic. Oh my god, this game just encapsulated everything that is special about this sport and certainly this time of the season where the stakes are are high not just for the teams but for the individuals, especially when you have... The two front runners for the National League MVP going off against each other. And not only that, both producing in big spots in big ways. We had, you know, Mookie, Mookie Betts continuing possibly his best ever season. We had Ronald Acuna Jr. becoming the first person to have 30 home runs and 60 stolen bases in a Major League Baseball season, which is incredible when you think of the amount of players that have played, how many years this this wonderful sport has been active, and we get to see that history be made. But we're on the cusp of an amazing grandstand finish, but the Braves ended up holding out for the 8-7 win, and all this has done now has made me ridiculously excited for the playoffs. I'm always excited for the playoffs every year when they come around because you always convince yourself that there's there's multiple multiple kind of contenders from both the NL and the AL. But what I think this game showed us is we have two all-time great players or great teams with great players in it. You look at the players that scored for both teams last night. You know, Muncy grounded into a fielder's choice to second, Mookie Betts scored, and Freddie Freeman was out of second. That alone is star-studded enough. And then you get 
Acuna Jr. doing the Grand Slam in the second, the top of the second. And then Austin Riley continues it to, to, to make it 6-1 at the top of the second. At this point, Lance Lynn, you know, I feel sorry for the guy. But this isn't... This isn't Chicago anymore, big man. They sent the White Sox. This is big time. This is the top of the NL. And you can't be having outings like this. Luckily for him, you know, luckily for him, the Dodgers put together a fight back. Then going 7-1 down at the top of the fifth when Michael Harris II hit a huge home run. But, you know... Mookie Betts hits two home runs. Max Muncy hits a home run. And eventually it's cut down to 8-7 in the bottom of the eighth. But, you know, the Braves hold on. They pick up the win. But what I want to highlight is just how good this National League MVP race is. Now, I've clicked on to... A fan-sided web, a fan-sided.com uh, piece. You know, you type in NL MVP into Google, and this is the first thing that comes up. And the headline is: Ronald Acuna ends all NL MVP debate in historic fashion with Braves Grand Slam. Now, I'm not going to name who wrote this because I don't actually think they probably wrote the headline of this, but I think they're quite unfair because. Yes, Ronald Acuna Jr. is having a historic season. Unbelievable to see. And if it wasn't for Shohei at the Angels, I think we'd be lapping up what Acuna Jr. is doing far more than we already are. I think, you know, he's being overshadowed. And not that he's underrated. Of course not, because everybody's aware of how good he is. But the focus and the attention has been so much on Shohei Otani throughout the whole season. Understandably so. This isn't a dig at either one. You know, I think the fact that both of them have had this amount of attention is understandable. That being said, the fact that he isn't running away with the NL MVP race goes only to show just how good Mookie Betts has been performing. And... Yes, we've just entered September. And the AL MVP race is all but done. We know who's going to win that. It's going to be Otani. Understandably, you know, I adore the guy. I think he's an incredible player. That being said, over in the National League, it's neck and neck. Completely neck and neck. And whilst whilst Acuna Jr. made history last night, Mookie Betts fired back with two home runs. I don't think it's as cut and dry as some people will suggest. You look at the advanced metrics, and Mookie Betts has the has the edge. His versatility in the field might give him the edge. But I generally don't know who's going to win it. I was going to title this, and I will title this show, Who Should Win the National League MVP? And I'll be brutally honest, I don't really know. Which isn't what people probably want to hear when the title is debating about who it is. But. And I'm, I'm not bringing the team aspect into this because I don't think that's relevant when it's talking about individual players. Yes, 
the Braves and the Dodgers have both been amazing. And if the Braves are the statistically the best team in the NL, I don't think that should sway it in Acuna Jr.'s favour. Likewise, if the Dodgers end up with the best record, because you look over the American League and, you know, Garrett Coles probably might win so young. And the Yankees have been awful. Shohei Otani is probably going to win MVP. And he's been the bright spark in a otherwise lacklustre and fading Angels team. And last night, you know, I don't know. I, I, all I can say is it just highlighted, one, just how close the race is. You know, there's been some other players that are going to be nominated that don't really stand the chance. Like Freddie Freeman is going to be involved. He's not going to win it. Matt Olsen's not going to win it. You know, he leads the National League in home runs with 43. And the entire league in RBIs, but he's not going to... He's not going to do it because Acuna Jr. just been that good. Yeah, Freddie Freeman has set the Dodgers' record for most doubles in a season. He's on pace for 62, and that would be the most from a major leaguer since 1936. In terms of OPS. In the NL, Freeman and Betts are one and two. And we talk about history, and this is something historic that I don't think has been mentioned more than enough. If Mookie Betts wins the National League MVP, he will become the first player since 1966 to win an MVP award in each league I think that's incredible I think that's you know he's he's going to the Hall of Fame anyway but if you were in any doubt Any any doubt that def- that that ruins any of it. The guy is one of the best players I've ever seen. He's one of the most enjoyable players I've ever seen. He looks like he's having fun whilst he plays. He's versatile. He hits consistently well whilst hitting home runs. It's exactly what people want to see. He has a personality. You know, you listen to you listen to his podcast. And you can see just how well he gets on with a lot of other players. He's the type of guy that you want in your team. You know, the Red Sox had good years out of him. But we are seeing the prime of Mookie Betts. And I love to see it. I have I, I know a lot of people who are Dodgers fans. And they have nothing but admiration for this guy. It's so good to see him flourish in this way. It's so good to see him put up a battle with Acuna Jr. for the NL MVP this way. It's not horrible. You know, it's not a bad battle by any stretch of the imagination. But what I hope last night's what I hope last night's game does is bring more attention to the race itself. And 
get people on the edge of their seats because you know you look at the AL and there's only one guy that's winning that with an OPS of you know he's only he's he's leading the the majors in OPS Shohei okay he's just so good Whereas Betts and Acuna Jr., you can even throw Freeman in there. You can even throw Matt Olson in there because they're, you know, they're the leaders of the OPS outside of Shohei. I just think it's, I think it's good for the game when things like this happen because there's no way it can be wrong, and there's no way it can be bad. When so many players are hitting historical form in historical teams, like what the Braves are doing, they're one of the best teams I've ever seen. And I mentioned this on a previous podcast. They remind me of the great Yankees teams from the the, the, the late nineties, where no one was safe against them. And what I mean is, no one is in a position where you can kind of like ease your way through the lineup. There's always something. There's always. There's always someone that can hit. And that's incredibly dangerous. As an opposing pitcher to face, you know, you look at you look at a lot of teams that are in the league, and like we use the current New York Yankees as the example. You can pitch around a lot of players because you have no worries about the the you know if you pitch around Judge, you have no worries about who's coming up next because they've been off form so much. Whereas you go to the Braves lineup and it's you know it's a murderer's row and a good luck. You know, if it's not Matt Olsen, it's Ronald Acuna Jr., it's Ozuna, it's, you know, Murphy, it's Harris the second. It's an outrageously good lineup. Even Austin, you can throw Austin Riley into the mix, Ozzy Albies into the mix. You can't beat these people. They're in the top 25 in terms of OPS in the entire league. It has to be respected, it has to be admired so much. Because it's, you know. It's once in a lifetime stuff, this, in my opinion. Certainly if you're a Braves fan. And what I mean, not necessarily just this season, because I also wouldn't be surprised if they go on a tear for the next few years. But we're going through a generational team in terms of Atlanta Braves history. And last night's game was an exhibition of the two best teams in the entire sport going head-to-head. I won it in the playoffs. There's barely anything that compares to Dodger Stadium at night in the playoff atmosphere. 
Everybody wants to see it. As for the Dodgers, they've shown enough that they can hang with the Braves. They've shown that on any given night they can beat them. They have the electricity. They can hit when needed. You know, we were talking about the Braves' lineup. And how that's an incredibly t- difficult team to pitch around. Don't get me wrong. My opinion on the Dodgers lineup is when you have to face Betts, Freeman, Smith, Muncy. That's a dangerous top four. It falls off a little bit in the second half with Peralta, Haywood, Altman, Bush and Rosario. But if you've got Kike Hernandez kicking around, if you've got uh, Austin Barnes kicking about, who I'm a big fan of, even someone like you know Chris Taylor's around, um, J.D. Martinez, that's a difficult, difficult team to, to, to beat. And they're pitching as well. You know, Lance Lynn got absolutely lit up last night, but Julio Urias is still good. Clayton Kershaw's posting an ERA under three. It's it's a it's a fun team. And it's a team that has been there and done it. And I think this is an underrated factor within playoffs and within, you know, when evaluating a team. The ability to have talent is a huge part of winning. And I know that sounds simple, but you know, you speak to a lot of people who have won big trophies and big championships. You know, last year in Phoenix we had the pleasure on TalkSport of having the of the Super Bowl co-commentated by Super Bowl winner Shane Vereen. And one of the videos I did for us that week was chatting to Shane about what it's like to play in an occasion like that to win a Super Bowl and what goes into building a team along those lines. And, you know, he, he gave some fantastic answers and I was very grateful for his time. He was a really lovely bloke. But one thing that always stuck out to me, or stood out to me, was, you know, the mindset of the players. And the idea of... You can have all the talent in the world, but if you do not have a cohesive unit, if you do not have players with the right mindset, with the same mindset of they will do anything to win they will do anything to win for this team, then you're going to fall off quite dramatically. Belichick and Brady and some of these players had been there before. They'd won, they'd lost. The Seahawks had been there once and they'd won. 
They didn't have the same experience that the Patriots had, and it showed at various points. And it showed at various points in the future with the Patriots, and it sh- it's showing with various points with players like Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs who have been there, they've won, they've lost, they've fallen short in the a- AFC Championship game, and the same is going to apply to a lot of teams in the Major League Baseball playoff race this time around. You know, if you look at teams like... The Houston Astros. The Houston Astros are not at their peak form. Michael Brantley has come back. Jose Otuve has come back. They are not firing on all cylinders despite the players they have. And the core of a team that is that has been to the uh, minimum the ALCS for the past like six years, I think, I believe it is. Six straight years of minimum ALCS, right? Some of the fans I've seen have said they're tired. They're not the same. And they're definitely not the same. However, the advantage they have over someone like the Orioles, in my opinion, or the Mariners, or the Rangers, is they have been there before, they have seen the bright lights, and they know how to deal with the pressures that come with it. More importantly, they know how to deal with it with that group of players. Alex Bregman's been there before. Justin Verlander's been there before. Jose Altuve's been there before. Jordan Alvarez has been there before. You know... Michael Brantley's done it. Maldonado has done it. They've got some good players that have been there and they've done it before. That is why they are not to be counted out despite various other things going against them. Like the fans saying they're tired. Like being in a wild card race. You know, they may not have had a better... Uh, regular season than the Rays and the than the O's, the Rangers are falling off, but they've largely been better across the the majority of the season, and the Mariners have got hot at the right time. That being said, I'd still look at the Astros and go, you know what? I wouldn't count them out. They might be my pick to make the the World Series from the AL side, and that's going to come into effect as well for the Dodgers and the Braves and people on the people on the NL side of things. What's going to happen is you're going to find teams that are either on a crest of a wave that are absolutely flying at the moment. You, know, you look at teams like the Phillies. The Phillies, in my opinion, have been fantastic in the in, in recent times, more or less since the fans gave Trey Turner the standing ovation. Understandably so, you know, they wanted to back their guy, they backed their guy, and ever since then he's turned into a, a fantastic hitter. Bryce Harper hit 300 home runs not too not too long ago, a Sunday against the Angels, which, again, they somehow lost, funnily enough. But they've been on good form. You know, they're not, they've got the exact same record as the, as the Milwaukee Brewers, and who are leading the Central, and it's just one of them things where divisions are strong, divisions are what they are. They happen to come up against a historically good Atlanta Braves team. But the Phillies are a team that you wouldn't want to play. The Cubs are another team that can get hot at the right time. And you look at these teams and you go through the lineups and you kind of go, okay, well, what would... The Phillies have had a great run last year. They fell short at the end, but they had a great run. So they've been they've experienced both the highs and lows within the same playoff run. 
once as as this unit. The Braves have been there and done it. The Dodgers have been there and done it. Obviously, the talent of those two teams sets them apart. But the point of it is, and the point of all of this, you know, multi-sport rambling, I suppose, is talent can only get you so far. And what sets these two teams, the Braves and the Dodgers, apart from everybody else, is the mentality of them. Individual players, Bryce Harper of the Phillies, Cody Bellinger of the Cubs, they will have the mentality to go and win at whatever cost, right? Trey Turner as well, Ian Happ, superb players who have been fantastic this season. But as a collective unit, they don't have what the Braves have. They don't have what the Dodgers have. To an extent, they don't have what the Astros have. The Rays are slowly putting together something along those along these lines, where they've had deep playoff runs. Twenty twenty, they got to the World Series, lost to the Dodgers. You know, so they're slowly coming about to a point where they can turn around as a team and go, "Yep, yeah, we know it. We've been here. We know what to expect. We know we're in a specific situation." The first time around, a lot of these young guys wouldn't know what to do. Now they've been there and done it, they know how to combat it. If the nerves get ahead of you, they know what to do in specific situations. It's what a lot of teams, I think, have had to adapt with. And what a lot, obviously, if you're going to win, you have to adapt to situations like that. And that's what... That's what sets these teams apart from the others, and that's why they're always consistently so good. It's like the Astros, you speak to their fans, they're not as hyped about this team as as many other people. But I'm telling you now, if you've had to come up against the Astros in the playoffs across the past six years, you know better than to count them out. When they have certain players in their lineup, you know what you're getting. You know Jose Altuve has the ability to turn the switch and just hit a home run to take the lead. The same goes for Bregman. Kyle Tucker's been there, and he's he's that kind of player now. Michael Brantley is another one who is able to just turn a game on, on, on the switch of a moment. The Orioles, we don't know. The Mariners, we don't know. The Twins, uh, they're there. You know, They're hanging around, but I don't think anybody's sold on them. The Rays have players that can do it. A Rosarena can do it. Yandy Diaz can do it. The Rangers are another team that have, have you know, fallen off dramatically. But we don't know what they'll be coping like. That's why, you know, I think the smart money would be Houston getting to the World Series. I don't think they'd win it, but getting them to the World Series would be would be the smart bet because they have the mixture of everything that Shane Vereen told me about and Yes, I know it's a different sport, but fundamentally it all trans- transcends into everything else. You can look at the talent. You know, how many times does a team not win, the best team not win the NBA Finals? How many times have we seen in baseball the best team fall short because of something happening? You know, organisational structure is another one, but that's not on the players and that's not on the game so, so much. You look at the, you go back to the Yankees in 2017, and they had the opportunity. You know they get they were one game away from the World Series when really they weren't meant to be. They were the first year of a of a so-called rebuild, right? 
they then cut money and got worse progressively over the years which has resulted in what we are seeing now but they've had moments of luck 2019 was one where they just couldn't get it over the line now whether that's luck whether that's lack of ability whether that is a mentality thing it could be all three but they were pipped by on 2017 and 2019 an astro team that were you know riding the crest of a wave and had the sporting gods on their side they had the talent the mentality was growing and you know it was kind of like written in the stars for them to win it and they did against an incredible series against the Dodgers part of me wants part, you know the smart money again is on the Braves to win because they've been so amazing so so all for, for all the season right but the Astros disliking person in me is dying to see a rematch of the Dodgers Astros again I would love to see that you know I think a lot of the players have moved on from the sign stealing stuff and there aren't too many Dodgers that were around at the time if any Uh, certainly on the hitting side of things anyway right that being said imagine the atmospheres of them two games these two teams hate sets of fans hate each other I can't wait for it and especially if they're at level pegging it's no fun going back and forth if you're so far ahead of another team. Yeah, so I think... I don't know about my prediction just yet. I've got my smart money hat on. But I need to see what how, how the playoff picture plays out. There's a lot of P's there. How the playoff picture plays out going forward. To really make a sound adjustment, a sound assessment on where my prediction will go but to tell you one prediction that I'm fairly confident on is the Los Angeles Angels will not be re-signing Shohei Otani this summer (gasps) I know, I know Last time I spoke into this mic, I was talking about because of his injury, there might be a world in which Shohei Otani re-signs with the Angels for a year. You know, he trusts them. He knows the organization. He is. you know, friendly with the team, he is fully aware of what to expect, as opposed to if he went to the Dodgers or the Mariners, where he'd have to start all over again. But what I think has changed for him has been, you know, the way they've dealt with the MRI situation, with his with his UCL tear, where someone claimed, I think the GM claimed that he turned it down. It was then clarified that that is a normal thing. And it, at one minute it looked like they were throwing him under the bus. Basically saying, well, he got a tear because he didn't. we offered him the, the scan and he didn't want it. And it just looked a bit messy. 
But I think the nail in the coffin was... They put on waivers most of the players they traded for at the deadline. And most of the players they traded for at the deadline were traded for in an attempt to make the playoffs and appease Otani. With the thinking being, if you make these trades and you get into the playoffs and you show Shohei that you can win and you can reach the playoffs, he will consider you a viable option. I defended the move for quite some time. And I'm a big believer in, if you're going to look at things in hindsight, don't look at them as to how it turned out. Look at it as to how it was at the time. You know, some decisions, don't get me wrong, there are some decisions where it was bad from the outset. Some deals were bad from the outset. Jacoby Ellsbury on a huge contract to the Yankees was bad at the was bad then and is bad now. Whereas Giancarlo Stanton being traded to the Yankees was good then and has turned out to be somewhat lackluster. I supported the move when it happened. Now I wish it hadn't happened. As for the Angels, I supported their trades. I supported them keeping Otani. But what has happened is incredibly angelsy, is incredibly spursy, and they've they've waved the white flag on a season that had a lot of promise by waving most of the players that they traded for at the deadline in order to appease and keep Otani. Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, and Reynaldo Lopez, Hunter Renfro, and Gran- Randall Grichuk have all been were all put on waivers. Okay, it was clearly a cost-cutting method, but it is also a way of telling people without telling people Shohei isn't coming back. He's made he's probably made it perfectly clear behind the scenes what his intentions are. Because as much as he probably has a lot of respect for the Angels, and he's probably quite grateful for them allowing him to play the way he has, the man wants to win. He's too good not to ever, ever challenge, let alone win a competition, okay? And what I think the fans are so annoyed at is that they traded away pieces for this, these these players, for Giolito, for Grichuk, for you know all of the all of these lot, right? And by putting them on waivers, they get nothing from them, no return, no no prospects, no nothing. But they are under the tax, so the owner Arti Moreno is you know the winner in this situation. The problem with that is how are you going to to explain this and spin this to the fans without them thinking it's tanking season baby you know it's very hard now to sit here as someone that defended the move to keep Otani and to push 
for the playoffs. Remember, they were three games off the wildcard spot when the deadline happened. So it weren't beyond comprehension that they weren't going to put together a run. But of course, bad luck has happened time and time again for this organisation, and it happened again this time around. They've just... (laughs) They've made a fool of themselves. They've made a complete fool of themselves because they didn't know what they were doing. At least by keeping Shohei and trading for these guys, there was a plan. There was a, a, a mindset of, it's playoffs or nothing. The Seattle Mariners were half a game behind the Angels on July 31st, deadline day. The Angels are now 12 and a half games back from them. They lost 16 of their first 21 games of August. And in the span of three weeks, went from playoff hopefuls to selling the the lot, writing off the, the future. And yes, they may have played Atlanta, Seattle, San Francisco, Houston, Texas, Tampa Bay and Cincinnati. A schedule of hell, quite frankly. But they knew these teams were coming up. And it's why they went so hard and heavy at the deadline. To combat these teams. Because the idea was, Atani's going to continue pitching amazingly and hitting amazingly. You're going to bring in some fresh players who are going to add a bit of pop to the lineup, And, you know, the fans are excited because big moves have been made. You're going for the playoffs. Oh, and by the way, Mike Trout's going to come back off the injured list halfway through the month. And that's another weapon you can add on to it. What ended up happening was they fell off to, They fell off completely. The traded players didn't hit the way they wanted to. Otani Torres is at UCL and can't pitch for the rest of the season and probably isn't pitching for another year, maybe even two. And big boy Mike came off the IL, played a game, the next day went back on the IL. Because that's the Angels. That's what this team does. Nothing well. They drowned the moment it became a possibility that the playoffs were on. They have no farm system. They're going to have no Otani. Mike Trout is an amazing player who has trapped himself into a contract, which is beneficial financially for him, but he's going to end up with one playoff appearance. Why? I'm writing off the rest of the playoff appearances in his career, unless he is traded, simply because I don't see where the light is for this team. They're going to be out, they're going to be officially out of 2023 playoff to contention very soon. And you may as well write them off for 24, 25 and 26 while you're at it. Because Trout ain't getting better anytime soon. He's he's far more injured than he isn't. Shohei Tani's gone. And even if he does stay, he ain't pitching. Which means that their lackluster pitching rotation is going to be worse without him. Putting even more strain on him as a hitter to hit well. As the only player that can hit on that team, seemingly. I think what was a potentially very fun team going into August, with Otani leading the way as the face of the sport, and he's about to, you know, 
head, bring his team, the lowly angels who have been rotted with bad luck for as long as I can remember. He was going to help them reach the playoffs, and it was a possibility. You can sit there now and go, they're, they're that bad, they were never going to make it, but there was a time when it was on. But now, it's an embarrassment in Anaheim. I feel for the fans, I say this every time I talk about the Angels, but I do feel for the fans. Especially when you see what's happening on the other side of Los Angeles. There's a high chance the Dodgers reach the World Series. They'll be, they're one of two teams that are favourites to reach it from the NL. And there's a high chance that the Angels never reach it in the next decade. God, it must be tough to be an Angels fan. There's even a there's even a chance, and I, I, it's not something I've even thought about. It's just popped into my head right now. Their farm system is so bad. Winter meetings roll around. Is it worth trading Mike Trout just to stock up? Because what's the point of having him if you're not going to partner him with anybody decent? At least with Otani, there was a one-two attack where it's like. Okay, these guys can bounce off of each other, and finally Trout has got someone to to work with. But they're bad; they're going to be bad for a number of years, and that's a contract that will weigh them down. Is it worth trying to get rid, pitch him out, so to speak? See what haul you can get from him, because you already messed up with that. I was a staunch defender of that move. Look how that paid out. Bad luck and talent hit them there, as we were talking about earlier on. This has been Let's Talk Baseball. It's been a, a long, rambly one, I know. But thank you for listening. I can't wait to see how the NL MVP race goes. Hopefully the next time I talk to you to, into this mic, I'll have a better idea of who my pick for the World Series is going to be. God, I just hope the Angels fans somehow find positives with their team. Because I sure as hell can't. And I'm glad I'm not having to. This has been Let's Talk Baseball. I have been Tom Scold. Remember to like and rate and comment and download on whatever platform you listen to. It's always greatly appreciated and the algorithm helps us massively. So thank you for listening. Have a good day. Speak to you soon.